You are listening to First Church Charlotte. important for a church to have strong men in it. Uh, doesn't weaken, it doesn't weaken the other ministries of the church to have strong men. In fact, strong men are a foundation for all, everything else that happens. And I am so honored to have the strong men in our church. And one of the things that I, I love about our men, this, this may sound just a little bit strange, but just bear with me. You know how I do. Um, there is one of the critiques, one of the critiques of uh, certain, from certain corners of Christianity is that Christianity uh, makes everything soft and ultimately feminine. And you're just talking about love, love. I'm so thankful for men who know how to be filled with divine love, but they do it as men. It's not just some feminine thing in their life. They're absolutely men. And don't test them on that because you'll be instructed in the ways of righteousness. Um, but they're, they, they're, they're very much men. And uh, I'm so honored to look across this church and see so many strong men who understands that manliness is not a macho thing, but is very, very, very much a stability, very much a foundation, very much a protection. And I'm so thankful for all of our strong men in this church. Let's give all our fathers a hand. I am, I am a product of being exposed to a great father. Uh, my dad was a true manifestation of godly manhood in, in my life. And it was my honor to, to be exposed uh, to that. And I am, I'm, not the, I'm not as good a father as my dad was to me. Uh, but my kids are knuckleheads, so it doesn't matter anyway. And um, it worked out well. So I'll, I'll never forget growing up uh, that we had my best friend in the church when I was young. When I mean young, I don't mean teenager. I mean like seven, eight, nine, ten. My, my best friend uh, growing up in the church was uh, his father. I believe his father had, had, had been killed. And he was uh, his single mom and him was in our church. And uh, he was my best friend. We were buddies. We hung out. We did crazy things together. We got in trouble together. Uh, we got whippings together. That's you know you know you're real friends when you get whippings together. That's like that's like real friendship right there. Like it was bad, but you're going in. You know you'll survive. Uh, on, uh, you know our church would do fundraisers, and and he, my dad would would always find out uh, my size and my friend's size. And then he would buy a shirt for both of us um, and never made a big deal about it. Just adopted my best friend and other young, young people in the church who didn't have, didn't have that parental uh, t- 
touch in their life. I, I was talking, uh, recently talking to Angie, and she was saying, look, your mom and dad, they were like my spiritual parents in many ways, and they, 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 they just adopted me. And uh, so I, I am very honored to stand here uh, rich in my, my parents. And so... Um, we're taking some time today, and I, I know you really just want me to get this message going because you're ready to run and jump and shout, uh, but I am I'm taking my time. So I promise not to go over two hours. Uh, real quick, a uh, young lady came home from a date rather upset, and her mother asked her what was wrong. And she said, well, uh, my boyfriend proposed to me. And her mother, who had been trying to hook him up for a long time, was super happy. Why would you be sad about that? He proposed to you. You're going to get married. She said to her mother, she said, well, I, he also told me that he's an atheist, mom. He's an atheist. He doesn't even believe in hell. Mom said, don't worry, honey. Marry him anyway. Between me and you, we will change his mind. <laughs> funny. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Amen. So we've been talking about this idea of what it means to walk in the spirit, what it means to win the battle that is within us. Last Sunday, I, I, pre I preached a message entitled the war within, and we talked about how spiritual warfare begins within us. It is expressed in the life we live and it is expressed in the victory of our lives. Spiritual warfare is expressed through ministry, uh, but it is oftentimes won internally. And that is where it begins, and we talked about that uh, a good bit last week. Um, this week, I'm, I'm wanting to talk about the kingdom within. So last week was the war within. I did not finish the subject. I didn't have time to, um, but I'm going to move on to the kingdom within because they are so related. I feel like I'll be able to finish perhaps some things that I, I just started last week. Um, I am, of course, uh, looking to the, the letters of Paul and his teaching, on, his teaching on spiritual warfare. And he writes to the church at Galatia and gives us, in chapter number 5, really uh, a great insight into what it means to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, in many ways, becomes a, a guide, shall we say, and how we walk spiritually, how we manifest the kingdom of God in our life. I, I want to I say this to all of you. It is your job as believers to manifest the kingdom of heaven in a world that is not of the kingdom of heaven. That fundamentally is your job. That is your purpose. That is your, your anointing. Um, and we've talked about this. Let me just touch it again quickly. Um, if you feel like your primary work while you're here on earth is to be saved, you've misunderstood what salvation is. Um, you, you have nothing to do with your salvation. Uh, that it is God's victory. Uh, and what you have to do is obey the fulfillment of salvation in your life through repentance, through washing, spiritual regeneration, divine identity, taking on his name, and then being spirit-filled in your life. So the old nature of a sinful man can be transformed into a new being in Christ Jesus. Can I have a big amen? All of that cost you nothing. It was all God's gift to you through his victory, his covering, his uh, forgiveness, his righteousness, the gift of his spirit. All you have to do is open up the heart door and receive what God has already done for you in your life. 
Spiritual warfare is not uh, about you staying saved. The battle for your salvation should already be won because Christ paid for that. The spiritual warfare is not so you can stay saved. Spiritual warfare is best understood in our ability to make a difference in the world where God has placed us. There's many ways we make a difference. But spiritual warfare is not about self. It is about others. Just as the kingdom of God is not an expression of self, it is the act of opening ourselves, blessing, ministering, praying for, witnessing, teaching, discipling others. And so this is where the struggle uh, is manifest in the Christian's life, your ability to make a difference in your world. You are called to represent Jesus Christ to your world. I'm going to stretch you here for a moment, okay? You are called to represent Jesus Christ to your world. Sounds a little different. It's the same thing. You are called to represent Jesus Christ to your world. You are God's plan to make a difference in your neighborhood. And he has not asked you to do anything other than represent him. So how do we represent Christ? We do it, first of all, by being the evidence that the world is looking for. We become the evidence that the world is looking for. This is why how we carry spiritual understanding is just as important as the spiritual understanding we carry. It is possible for us to understand many, many things, but not carry it with an attitude of service, an attitude of humility, an attitude of love. It is possible for us to manifest gifts of the Spirit, but not fruit of the Spirit. And then we become dangerous believers because even the good we would do makes just as many enemies as it did people who have a testimony of a changed life. And so you have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to represent Christ. The good news is you and I do not have to present ourselves. We only have to present the testimony of what God has done in our life. That's why the most effective spiritual minister is not the debater. Not the rebuker, but the person who can manifest the love of God to people who already know they have problems. They already know that they need to do better. They already know, and here you come, changed, and the evidence of the kingdom of God is flowing out of you. So the kingdom of God starts within you. So let me just uh, talk about this here uh, very briefly. Jesus said to his disciples, and... uh, I've got some notes. I might get to them. I didn't really get to them in the 9 a.m. service, so I'm going to try to do better in the 11 and keep you here for longer. No, just kidding. Uh, Jesus says to his disciples something quite, quite surprising because it is the opposite of everything they think they know about what it means to be God's people. Real quick, the house of Israel is coveted, is, receives the covenant of God through Abraham, and they believe and they know they have become the children of God. That's why they don't think in terms of, say, Saved or lost. That's why saved and lost is alien to the Old Testament. What do you mean saved or lost? I might be judged or blessed, but there is no saved or or lost because I'm Abraham's child. What do you mean? How do you understand? That is their mindset. And so the kingdom of God for them becomes the expression of God's blessing upon their nation. I want you to see. I want us to see this, okay? To them, the blessings of God are manifest on the nation. And so when Jerusalem is blessed, the kingdom of God is blessed. Yeah. 
And so when a great king like David is on the throne, pushing back the borders of the enemy, it, uh, the kingdom of God is progressing. When we're defeating our enemies, the kingdom of God is progressing. That's why it's so difficult for us Christians sometimes to read what they thought in the Old Testament was the commandment of God or the blessing of God, and it involves them destroying their ne- neighboring countries. And that's so alien to us because we don't want to destroy anybody. We want to manifest the love of God to everybody. They thought the kingdom of God was how good Israel's doing. Okay? They meant well, but they deeply misunderstood the kingdom of God. I want to say that again because we need to see them with empathy. There's a high chance we don't get everything right either. You see what I'm saying? They meant well. They had good hearts for the kingdom. They just were sure the expression of the kingdom of God on earth was how high the walls of Jerusalem were, how mighty the armies of Jerusalem were, how victorious the God, God's people were. This is the kingdom of God to them. And Jesus looks them right in the eye and he totally just messes with their theology and says the kingdom of heaven is within you. Now, this is not what they think. They think they need a certain kind of Messiah. Think conqueror, think king, think lord of war. That's what they need because the kingdom of God in their theology is the nation of Israel. And as long as the nation of Israel is oppressed by Rome, the kingdom of God is not doing good. And so here comes Jesus, looks them right in the eye, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Now, this is just not what they signed up for. It's a strange, what do you mean the kingdom of heaven is within me? Rome is oppressing Jerusalem. How can you care about the kingdom of heaven within you when the the very city of God is under the trampling foot of the enemy. And the Lord says, the kingdom of God is within you. This should not have been as big a surprise or as as big a a challenge for them as, as it was because this is basically what all of the prophets that God had sent to them pointed out to them in their writings because he said to them, look, you guys have a form, you guys, the prophet said to the house of Israel, you guys have your form of godliness. That's awesome. You, you go to the temple on temple day, you sacrifice according to the rules, you, you, you follow all the standards, but your heart hearts, your hearts are far from God. And since your hearts are not inclined toward God, and he is not the Lord of your affections, and he is just a God of titles to you, he would rather if you stop the pretense of so-called godliness and was honest about the fact that your heart is not inclined toward God. They could not receive this from the uh, prophets, and so Bible tells us they killed most of them, ignored the rest, and Jesus comes along, and he says basically the same thing in a more spiritual way. The kingdom of God is within you. So here we have in the story of Galatians, real quickly, Christ has won a victory, a redemptive victory. The veil of the temple has been rent upon his death. We now have an access to the presence of God. The middle wall of a righteous separation between the purity of God and the sinfulness of humanity's rebellion has been removed. And just as sin entered the world through Adam, righteousness has been given to the believer through Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. And we celebrate that here today. We have become the priesthood who carries the Shekinah. You have become the priesthood that carries the Shekinah. 
So where does God want to go? You should worry about that. Where does the Spirit of God want to move? You should worry about that because you are the priesthood that carries the Shekinah presence of God on your spiritual shoulders. You have become the Holy of Holies that invites the Shekinah presence of God to be manifest in your life. And not just manifest as a good service where you get chill bumps, but manifest as a transformed human who is not motivated by fear, is not held by lust, but instead has been transformed to divine love and directed to divine purpose. Is there any apostolics in the house? So this has become the standard by which we as spiritual people have been directed toward the manifestation of the kingdom of God here on earth. What does it look like? How is it expressed? You should care about this. Because if we get the kingdom within wrong, there is no chance of us expressing the kingdom in our lives. If the kingdom is not within us, you cannot fake the kingdom by uh, following a rule or some prescription of law. You cannot, if you don't have the kingdom in your life, your, 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 your systems will not manifest the kingdom of God. It has to be in your heart. That's how people, and I've been this person, so I'm not saying this judgmentally. I love all you guys. You're all beautiful. I just want to say I've been this person. I had all the outward signs of religiosity, but the kingdom was not burning within my heart. And I was going through a routine. I was going through a no one to clap my hands, no one to say amen. But the kingdom of God is not on fire within me. Hear me, church. We've got to be the church where we just don't have a title of Christianity over us, but the kingdom burns in our heart. I must be about my father's business. The kingdom burns within our heart. How do we manifest the kingdom of God? We represent Christ everywhere we go. You meet someone depressed. You represent Christ to that depressed person. And the greatest testimony is when the transformation of your life matches the witness of your mouth. So you might get depressed, but not like someone who doesn't have Jesus in your life. You might run out of money. Yeah. I had to ask my wife for money twice this morning. I forgot my wallet. She's, I, I thought it was a great metaphor for my life because not only has she taken over my life, she's taken over my pulpit now, and now she's preaching into my preaching time, and she's giving me lunch money to give in the offering. So how did this happen to me, oh God, on Father's Day? I tried. I did my part. Anyway, so moving right along in a religious manner. So I want you to see that I'm preaching about something and I've lost my train of thought and I don't know what it is at the moment. We must manifest the kingdom of God in this world. Our systems are not the same thing as the fire within us. Our dutiful Ethics which are necessary become part of the manifestation of the kingdom. I want you to see it's not about you being religious. This is where the house of Israel missed it. It's not about you being quote unquote religious. It's about the kingdom burning within you and being manifest in your nature. You become the evidence you claim. So 
Galatians. I'm trying to preach about Galatians. And let me look and see. Oh, my iPad went off because um, I haven't been paying it any attention. And so uh, we want to walk by the Spirit. Uh, the Apostle Paul said this in the, the, the passage uh, that I have directed your attention to here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a verse number 16. I say then, this is 16, Ephesians 5, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. They are contrary to one another. The motivations whereby you pursue your life will spring from the realm of the spirit or spring from the realm of the flesh. And this is manifest in what you pursue. And Paul says these things are so opposite that they war against each other. You can't really have them both under the same roof and claim to get it right. And this is where, I don't want to get into this too long. I preached about it a good bit in the 9 a.m. service. This is where the prosperity doctrine gets uh, their theology so wrong. It's not that God doesn't want to bless his people. God does want to bless his people. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is where prosperity doctrine falls into the ditch. It's not that God doesn't want to bless his people. I am a standing witness of God's blessing And people in this church are standing witnesses of God's blessing. The issue is not about blessing. Here is where prosperity doctrine goes wrong. Is they take the wishes of a lustful human heart. I want a bigger house. I want a private jet. Uh, Please. I mean, if you got one, let me know. Um, (laughs) I want the best of this. I want my Instagram to be cooler than yours. I want to go to a better school than you. And then they go to God to use God as a means... To give them a lustful end. So God is not the end. God is the means. And what they seek from God is the fulfillment of fleshly lusts. Is that too much for you? Y'all mad at me now? This is where prosperity doctrine goes wrong. It's not about the blessing. God loves to bless you. It is about the fact that all of these things are not the end. They are simply a means. God is the reason for your life. And within your heart beats the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. It's about the Holy Ghost. It's about what God's doing in this city. It's about what God can say to people. It's about the change he can bring to people's life. Blessing, sure. Give it all. Bless it all. That's not the point. It's the kingdom that beats within our hearts. These two worlds are opposite to each other. And if you give yourself the pursuit of what the world can give you, it won't matter if you put a religious title on it. On the contrary, if you desire the spiritual things, you might have been given everything else. But within your heart, when you go home to your fine house, within your heart is the realization, this is a house is a house. This can't make me happy. I'm thankful for it. And God is good. What about the kingdom? I'm thankful for nice cars. I love fine engineering. I really do. I just can sit there and figure out why they did it this way. Some of you guys understand that. I enjoy that. None of that is going to make me happy. Sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. That's not the point. Within our heart must beat the kingdom of God. There is the kingdom of God because if it's not within us, it'll never be expressed in our life. 
It must beat within our hearts. And so we have been called, we have been chosen, and now we present ourselves faithful to another realm, to a world that is above this world. And it only makes sense through the workings of faith in our life because all the evidence of our life is the opposite. It is seemingly a society where it doesn't pay to live this way. It doesn't pay to be meek. It doesn't pay to be humble. In fact, the contrary seems true. And the only way you see the kingdom of God is through faith. And so you choose to live according to a kingdom that does not give you much evidence in your daily life. But you say, no, the kingdom of God, it is the way. He is the way. He is the truth. And within my heart beats a passion for the kingdom of God. And so in Galatia, this church that is growing, they're they're really struggling between how they manifest the kingdom of God here on earth. And and, uh, the first great heresy of the church is the attempted attempted effort to turn Christianity uh, really into a Jewish cult where it fundamentally was about the continuation of the Old Testament but add a little bit of faith in Jesus. And this is, of course, the first first heresy that the church dealt with. Uh, After this would come along quickly Gnosticism and other, other heresies that sprung up in that New Testament church. Um, But this is the original one, and Paul is making an appeal to them on the way they can live, because there are some believers who say, no, no, uh, Christ is not, Christ is just uh, another expression of God. Uh, The real expression of God is given to us in covenant through the Old Testament, and therefore, if you're going to, to be God's people, and if you're going to manifest the kingdom of God, and you're going to show forth uh, what it means to be God's people, uh, you're going to have to abide by uh, these, these strictures of, of, the, of, uh, of the Jewish tradition. And uh, so Paul writes to them and he challenges them in this, this very way. And he, he uses words like liberty and, and free from uh, the yoke of bondage. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Uh, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you uh, you nothing. I testify to you, every man who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You can't just do it with a symbol. You're either going to do it all or you're not going uh, to do it. Uh, you have become estranged from Christ because now you can't see that you're justified in Christ. Now you seek to be justified by law. But the problem with that is when you choose law, you fall from grace. And though, um, for we through the Spirit eagerly hope, uh, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Our righteousness is not of the law. Our righteousness is through faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Say that last phrase with me. But faith working through love. How do we manifest the kingdom of God? That is what Paul's talking about. Is it through the symbols and the covenant uh, restrictions of Old Testament? Or could it be that the kingdom of heaven is primarily a manifestation of faith working through love. Paul is going to give them two images. The first one is this image of love. We're talking about the kingdom, the expression of the kingdom here in earth. What does it mean to be spiritual people? What does it mean to walk spiritually? And how does our life become the evidence that the gospel of Christ claims? This first image is this love, working faith through through love. And Paul will point out, brethren, you have been called to liberty. But this is not a liberty of permissiveness. The point of this liberty is not so you would pursue the lusts of your flesh and call it grace. That's not the point of this liberty. 
you have to acknowledge there is lust of the flesh and there is the way of the spirit that is working within you. There's two different things. You could claim God's freedom as an excuse for you to pursue the lust of your flesh. This is in, uh, in, in one degree, uh, this is uh, some of the error of the excesses in the prosperity doctrine. You're pursuing the ways of the flesh um, and you're calling it the work of the spirit. Paul's saying, look, let's be honest. There's a part of you that will live in revelry, will live in immorality, will pursue all the sins of the flesh. And if you're not careful, you'll say, oh, I'm free in God. No, that is to miss the point. You are free when your nature, your desires have been transformed. You are no longer motivated by the fear and the lust. We talked about this last Sunday of the old man. What is the motivations of the old man, the sinner man? Fear and lust. Now, you can be very religious and still live in fear and lust. Oh me, oh me, oh me, I want, I want, I want. Sounds like a song we made up for you, service. Oh me, oh me, oh me, I want, I want, I want. But enough about the whipped cream and the banana pudding that's out front uh, here. I want you to see God's going to transform fear and lust to a new creation where it is not fear but love, the spiritual opposite, casts out fear, and not lust but mission or purpose or calling, not what I want for me, but what I want for you. Brother Ed, that was some fine preaching. That was some fine preaching. Lust is what I want for me. Mission is what I want for you. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. I'm going to try this on. This side's more spiritual than all y'all over here. Lust is what I want for me. Mission is what I want for you. So let me tell you what I want for you. I want you to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. I want you to be filled with the power of the Spirit. I want the unction of the Holy Ghost to walk with you. I want you to speak to the mountain with the confidence that the mountain's going to be removed. All right, I was trying to do as good as my wife did, but I, I was struggling there. I couldn't quite keep up. So this, 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 this first image of faith in love. Now, when you have different motivations, when you have different motivations, it's no longer fear and lust, which are both centered on me, 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 dot, 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 me, 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 me. If I say that three times, I'm going to give a tongues and interpretation. Um, I, want you, I want you to see that is the center of the old man, me, me, me. I fear, I want. God transforms that to love others and mission others. Now you have a chance to experience what it means to be free in Christ Jesus. And people who live like this don't need law. Why? They've been changed. From self-centered, self-pleasing, self-desired people to Others' needs, others' desires, others' spiritual hunger. People like that don't need law. This is the point the Apostle Paul is trying to say. This cannot happen unless the kingdom of God is within you. And what really motivates you is a desire to see good for other people. I want to read something here that Paul says as a contrast. I'm going to read uh, verse number 13 of Galatians 5. This is, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I love reading from modern translations because it forces you to hear the concept from a fresh perspective. Um, if 
if you just memorize it, sometimes you can get into the rhetoric of maybe a King James quotation. I want you to get the concept with fresh ears, okay? So New Living Translations, Galatians 5 and 3. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your spiritual nature, or excuse me, your sinful nature. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to do what? To serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. You see, religious people can motivate themselves from fear and greed too. And the sign of that is they're always biting each other. If you go to a church and they're always biting each other, they're always hurting each other, they're always critiquing one another. They're always like a spiritual minion. You walk through the side of the church and what you hear is... And I love doing that. That is a church that is being religious with no inward transformation. Because the result of being religious but having fear and lust. I don't know who they think they are. They can't sing better than me. Lust. Fear. Well, I just don't know. I, I need to get blessed today. I don't care about them. I don't care. They better not take my seat. They better not park in my parking spot. They can just bust it wide open. Honey, I need a touch of God today. <laughs> they're religious, but they're not transformed. And they're still focused on self-serve religion, fear, and lust. And the sign is they destroy each other. They compare themselves one with another. They talk about who's doing good, who's not doing good. Did you see that dress she wear? You don't know why she wore the dress. And why don't you quit worrying about her dress and start worrying about your dress? Because, honey, you gained a little weight, and that weight's pulling that hemline up. And I just want to peek the truth in love. We want to worry about a dress. There's a mirror in your house. And so now, because you're not transformed, you'll go fix your dress and come back and still be mad about their dress. It's not about the dress. Now, this is not freedom to go show your rear end. Don't try to make it into that. This is about not chewing on each other. This is about not hacking on each other. This is not about competing one with another. This is not... I know it's a real trial for Brother Nathan because he can't sing as good as I can. I know it keeps him up at night, but he has to have a good spirit about it. I know I do. Beware that you destroy one another. So, I need to move along here. Paul is making an appeal. And he's trying to express what it means to manifest the kingdom of God. To represent Christ to the world. And this is how he's going to do it. Serving one another with love. Now, he's not the first one to do this. This is the distinctive commandment and culture-creating statement that Jesus makes at the end of his ministry. When he says, look, people are going to figure out you're my, my disciples. There's going to be a distinguishing mark. You guys are not going going to want to hurt each other. You're going to have love one to another. This 
is the first image Paul will use in the writing. And the second one he will use is what does it look like to live with the Spirit leading you? What does that look like? He wants you to know specifically. And he wants the church at Galatia to understand the differences between a world motivated by lust of the flesh and a world motivated by the kingdom within. And he's going to paint you a picture. So because I want you to hear this with fresh ears, I'm going to read it to you in a modern translation. So you have to deal with the concepts, not just enjoy the rhetoric. So I'm reading this to you in the, in the, um, in the, Uh, message translation. Uh, This is the passage you will have celebrated your whole life as the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc., etc. The life of the Spirit, Paul is saying, is manifest in our character. In other words, you become the evidence of the transformation you claim. But if you claim a transformation without evidence of it, well, then you are another label. So he's going to say this. What happens? Now, again, The message translation, we're not doing theology, we're understanding concepts. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others. Exuberance about life. Serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. Perseverance. (laughs) A sense of compassion in the heart. And a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. In other words, you can't be harsh to your brother and say you love God. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments. Not needing to force our way in life. Able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. This is the life of the Spirit where we become the evidence that we claim. Let me continue. Verse number uh, 25. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. My God, that's some fine preaching, Brother Paul. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each one of us is unoriginal. I want so much to appeal to you to see what it looks like when we walk after the Spirit. It's not going to be the same kind of life. And that testimony of your character will become the most powerful manifestation of the kingdom of God in your world because you will represent Christ to your world. So we are not asked to do this by ourselves. I know this seems impossible. I mean, how can we become uh, this idealized person who seemingly never gets mad when someone cuts them off in traffic? How do we become this idealized person who never gets irritated when someone undercuts our work at uh, our performance at work. How, how do we how do we look the other way when someone slaps our cheek? Uh, what is the f- problem with 
manifesting the kingdom of God. Well, it's against the flesh. And the only way, hear me church, the only way you have a chance to do this is if you are really transformed in your life, not just if you enjoy good church. I love good church, but I want to tell you the real manifestation of the kingdom of God is not the good church we enjoy. That is when we are in the moment of purposeful worship of God. And yes, there is this tremendous manifestation of God's presence among us and we want to live out. You know, uh, God's job is to get us to heaven. Our job is to get heaven to earth. His was a job of redemption. Ours is a job of worship. Do you see? That's why we have a good church. Because we bring heaven to earth through worship. He's taken us there through redemption. We're bringing him here through worship. Thus, the circle is completed and the purpose is fulfilled here on earth. But the transformation that is the evidence of spiritual life within you is not just the enjoyment of a praise service here. Everybody can praise the Lord. All you have to do is have breath. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. But the representation, the representation of Christ to your world is going to come out of love, preference one to another, and the manifestation manifestation of a changed nature in you. It's not easy. The natural thing is to get mad when someone steals your barbecue. The natural thing is to get mad when your kid takes the last of the the banana pudding. It's very natural. It's almost a death sentence. (laughs) Diane, uh, Diane uh, worked for me for years, was in my house almost every day working for me for years. One day, true story, Diane ate my last cinnamon roll. Do you remember that, Diane? She ate my last cinnamon roll, and I came home from the run I was on. My mama made me cinnamon rolls, which only happens if my brother's coming to town, which is every two years. And so I don't know how that demonic carrier gets the cinnamon rolls, and this son of righteousness is left to worry about his figure. I don't understand. We'll just leave that with the Lord. I just want to say that Diane, in a moment of spiritual oppression, she ate my last cinnamon don't, don't start popping off now. You ate my last cinnamon roll. And I came home, and she thought it was funny. And I didn't. I'll have you know, I sulked around the house for about 20 minutes, didn't I? And I never told you it was okay. You know how you do with people you love? You're like, oh, I was, it's okay. It's okay. It was, I'm still mad about it. And it's Father's Day and I'm thinking about you still in my cinnamon roll. How do we become transformed? It's not easy. Someone slaps you, honey, I'll slap you so fast. He'd be like, Master Flash up in the house. How do we get changed? Let me tell you right now. You are not going to do it by the efforts of your flesh. You need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The primary work of the Holy Spirit in your life is not your salvation. God's going to take care of that. It is not that. It is your transformation. Do you see what I'm saying? It is your transformation. Yes, it becomes part of your inhabit. You become the place that the Spirit inhabits. Yes, yes, yes. Don't misunderstand that. But I'm saying uh, you can come to church to get blessed and the next day uh, manifest all of the habits of the flesh. We need the presence of God in our life convicting us, correcting us, transforming us, saying not this, not this. How about this over here? Not the ways of anger. Come on. 
Come on, let me preach to some of the angry people here. Anger is not the path. Long suffering is the path. Let me preach to some of the anxious people here. You worry, you worry, you worry. You're a one man or one woman band of worry. That's not the path. The Holy Spirit needs to convict you and say, this is not the path. This is not the path. This is the way of fear. This is the way of flesh. You're not going to represent Christ to your world over here chewing your fingers and nails up to the elbow. You need to trust God that he... I'm breaking the sound system. Musicians come. We must have the transformation power of the Holy Ghost in our life. Otherwise, we're going to be trapped in the ways of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That is the way of the flesh. You need to get full of the Holy Ghost. And you need to let that Spirit of God begin to move on you just as He troubled the waters. Just as He moved upon the waters. And you need to feel in your spirit... uh, I can be changed from a fearful, lustful person into someone who has the kingdom burn within them. The kingdom burn within them. I said the kingdom burn within them. I wish I could tell this side over here. You need to get the kingdom to burn within you. I'm almost done. Let me say a couple more things just as a way of trying one more time. The enemy doesn't need to get you involved in witchcraft. He just needs to get you to practice your religion from fear, not love. You weren't even listening to that, were you? Just say it was good. Just say it's the best I ever heard. Okay, you're forgiven for not listening. The enemy doesn't have to get you involved in witchcraft. He just has to get you to practice religion from fear and not love. You'll do the same destructive work. He doesn't have to get you oppressed by 17 demons with, you know, whips, forked tails, and a side order of McDonald's fries. There's no demon like when you're on a fast and you go by McDonald's and they just made fries. That's a demon from the pit right there. I tell you, that a demon. Them, them devils are out there saying, catch up with me would be divine. Catch up. It's not even will of God. He doesn't have to get you oppressed by 17 demons, long-tailed devils. No. He just has to get you to practice your so-called religion from lust and not mission. Me and not others. Not only will you miss the spirit, but you won't even fulfill the purpose of the law. And so, if we are going to have the kingdom within us, we need to be transformed in our desires, our passions, our fears need to become love, not fear. Our lust need to become desires for the kingdom, not lust of the flesh. And this is the great, great challenge that is available to you to manifest the kingdom of God. He's not asking you to do this yourself. He has promised that he would give you his power, that you might show forth this truth in your world. You might show forth this transformation in your world, and his power is going to be with you. And I believe, I believe, because I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it testified by many, when God's power is on you, it is possible to see the transformation 
the true motivation change of your life. Where I used to come from this side over here of, of fear and lust. That was my motivation. And the sign of that was that I was always comparing myself to other people. I always, when, I always wanted what other people had. I always worried when other people seemed to be doing better than me. That's the sign that I'm living a religious life from an untransformed, unregenerated life. But when the Spirit began to move on me, I began to realize who I was in God. And therefore, I didn't need to compete with someone else. I didn't need to fight with my neighboring pastor. Thought I'd preach to the preachers for a little while. All y'all preachers out there. He didn't need to fight with the neighboring pastor. I knew who I was in God. I didn't have to worry if you had more than me on Sunday. I knew who I was in God. And so I got out of the habit of chewing on other people and biting other people. And I heard what Paul said when he said, be careful that you, de- that you not destroy one another. Now I'm still religious. But now the spirit of the Lord has really been to transform the inner man. And my motivations are completely different. I want to pray for that here today. Let's all stand all across the house. I invite you to step out of the chair you're in right now. Would you, would you make your way down to the front? Our guests and friends, feel free to come with us. We, I promise you, we will not embarrass you in any way. We always gather together and we pray. Feel free to come with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.